What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of Next Flix. Next Flix. Today, we are back in the studio laying down a hot new track about one of my favorite movies uh, ever. It, it's in my top three, and it got picked by happenstance because uh, we realized <laughs> it was on Netflix, and we kind of wanted to watch that over our last pick. <laughs> which which turned out to be good. Okay, so here's what happened. I think I mentioned the last episode, but I I kind of forgot I had a pick and kind of panic picked and just just picked Dead Poet Society. And literally like 10 minutes after recording, I was like, "Wait, I wanted to do Goodwill Hunting." So I recorded a little bit and threw it at the end there. So you didn't know the story, but now you know. That's how this became uh, being. But this is seriously, um, this is one of my favorite movies for a, a lot of really good reasons. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with, with you, man, because it is such a, um, this movie is, there's so much more to the surface of it. Um, and and sometimes watching it a few times, you can get to the bottom of it more. Um, but man, I think that this is probably one of the best movies ever made. I that is a, a bold statement and I'm it is I'm inclined to actually agree with you. It's a very well done film that man, it it, it was surprising how good it was. I'll say that. I did not expect to love it as much as I did. Yeah, so this movie was made in 1997. That's the year that I was born. Um so it's a it's an older movie. Um it takes place in Boston, Massachusetts. The movie's Goodwill Hunting. Have we said that? I don't. This is how the episode. I think we said it. Maybe we. Well, it's Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Woo! It takes place in Boston, Massachusetts. Somewhere I, I've always wanted to go and like eat some awesome chowder. <laughs> I don't like chowder, but you go right I, ahead. I, I've never had it, so I don't know if I could. Have you had it? I have. It's it's like a. I enjoy cream based stews, but chowder has an odd texture that I don't like. Is it the clam? It's just the clam, like the like it, the rubbery. It honest, it honestly might just be the clam. I'm not a huge fan of clam overall. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I wonder if you went to Boston and had it though, it would be like awesome. I'll tell you what, this is a great discussion about Goodwill Hunting. Sorry. So here's the thing: <laughs> it takes place in Boston. It's not irrelevant to Boston. It's true. Um, they, it, this is a, a film that was written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon when they were both still in college. It was actually a school project that Matt Damon was working on. Then he and Ben Affleck like built it into this whole script. It was a pet project of theirs. It's a very early film for both of them. In fact, I think I think the only big thing Affleck had been in before this was Chasing Amy. Yeah, it's incredible from a script standpoint too. Um, it's actually pretty. It's I would argue. Here's a bolder statement. I would argue that this script is seriously. I don't know if I can think of a movie off the top of my head that has a better script as far as dialogue, development. And I'm, I'm purely talking script, not execution, but like just yeah. as far as like on paper. I, I don't think there's a better one. I, I did a little bit of a deep dive today. And there is a really fascinating story behind this movie. They should make a movie about this movie being made because it's pretty amazing. Ooh, I want to hear this. The, so there's a, a... Basically, everyone who was attached to this film is a big name in Hollywood. It started with at Miramax with Harvey Weinstein, who's a big name in Hollywood for the wrong reasons right now. But at the time, he Back was a then, huge yeah. name in Hollywood. Uh, Kevin 
uh, who's the guy who made Clerks? Kevin James? No, not Kevin James. Who made what? Uh, he was the guy who made Clerks. I forget his name. What else he's did? He was a producer at the time. He still is. But he, he was attached to it. He made... Oh, he made Chasing Amy. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Which is how he got attached to it, because he was working with uh, uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah. He was attached to it for a while. Of course, Gus Van Sant made it, and he's a great director. Um, Matt Damon got casted as like just this minor character in a Francis Ford Coppola film. And Coppola got a copy of the script and read it and thought it was amazing. Which, if Francis Ford Coppola says your script is amazing, that's saying something. Well, he just happened to pass it on to his friend, Robin Williams, who read the script, loved it, and more or less demanded to be in the film. Hmm. Which is good, because he won an Oscar, so it totally worked out. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's a a crazy story of how it got made, and... I um, had no idea. Yeah. There's a, there was an interview with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck where they said the first day of filming is the... Oh, Kevin Smith. That's the guy's name. Sorry. <laughs> the first day of filming was a scene between uh, Stellan Starsgard's character and Robin Williams' character where they're arguing about Matt Damon. And that was one of the first things they filmed. And it's these two powerhouse actors yeah. in this very powerful scene. And Matt Damon uh, said in this interview, Ben and I started crying because these are two of our acting heroes acting a scene we wrote word for word and it was like it took our breath away (laughs) that's incredible yeah it is maybe there's something to be said about how good this movie is you know what maybe quick tangent into this about maybe on a metaphysical level they when they wrote this movie i mean this was their passion project right i mean this is their college thing they wrote it together they put a lot of time into it and it totally shows that it's it's so good you can tell how good it is um, because of that, I would almost say. And almost, I don't almost say like, you know, other music, like musical Hamilton. Lin-Manuel wrote it and was in it and it won like every award. And it's legitimately good. So um, now I'm not saying that's true for everything, but I'm just curious if there's like some sort of um, connection there. I think there's definitely a connection with with a work of art. The more passionate you are about it, it it the better it can be. Now, it's not a direct correlation. If you have a bad movie, but you're passionate about it, it's not going to be a good movie. But right. if you're starting from a good standpoint and the more passion you have, the better it can get. It's like a perfect little add-on. It's like they were young and hungry and that and that worked out for this movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, so, to- I totally agree. Did you catch my little Hamilton? A little slight little Hamilton reference in there? Just like my country, okay, I'm and young, stuffy, and hungry. Yeah. And- yeah. So okay. So this movie it, it's about um, it's about a guy named Will Hunting, and he he essentially has grown up in the south side of Boston, um, and that seems to be the wrong side of the tracks, or at least the and I don't know if that's true. So if you live in Boston and I don't I haven't been there, so I don't know. And the movie is portrayed that he's grown up in a neighborhood that's just not great. Yeah, he's, he's um, not in a great neighborhood. Not living. A great life because he's been afforded bad experiences. Yeah, he's 20 years old and he's totally just been he's been abused. He's bounced around from foster home, foster home, foster parents have abused him. Um, he has no, he's an orphan. I mean, he has a lot of issues um, just from growing up in his in his childhood and and he's been arrested a lot of times. He's been um, he impersonated a police officer. He did a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but the thing about Will is he's a genius. Yes. He 
an absolute genius. He is um, in the film. They make several references to people like him, but he he just understands mathematics like no one else ever has. Um, well, I mean, like at least no one at that at that place at um, at where he's at. Um, so, it, and it's kind of interesting how it's revealed. Um, yeah, he's a janitor at MIT, and he's just solving these impossible math problems at night when everyone else has left and he's cleaning, which I think that's actually based off a true story, but I don't remember, but, and I couldn't find the article I, I thought I read about it, so maybe not. But really? Yeah, I think it was inspired by like a real guy who... No, I do remember it now. Yeah, he was a janitor. I think it might have been at Harvard or something. Um and yeah, he saw these math problems and he just solved them for fun, not knowing that they were these impossible problems that no one had ever solved. That's interesting. Um, like he didn't even know. Huh. Yeah. So that's kind of how Will is, though. He's just, he's like this masked vigilante guy solving <laughs> all these problems. And the and the math department's like, what well, the crap? It took us two years to solve this. Like, who's this super genius? Right. Um, but, but Will doesn't. He doesn't come forth. He's not trying to be a famous genius or anything. He's just living his life. But he... It's almost like he can't stop learning. Like, he has this hunger to learn that he can't satisfy. Because you see him, like, you know, he's working. He hangs out with his friends at the bars at night. But then he go home and he's just reading these huge books because he can't get enough. Yeah. One might say he's young, scrappy, and hungry. No, we're we gonna do nothing but Hamilton references. Sorry, I'm done now. <laughs> I'm done now. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm done now. So, um, yeah. So he goes home. He reads all these books and and all these uh, all these things. And he, yeah, you're right. He's a glutton for knowledge. Um, a, a glutton for knowledge. That's a great way of putting it. But he's also a troubled, troubled person. Um, basically, the the story really starts when the head of the math department sees him solving the problem one night. A second and problem. He, he'd solved the first second, problem. Yeah. 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 And the, the math guy is like set up a trap, a second problem. He's trying to f- trap the genius who solved the first problem and he catches Will and he thinks Will's just vandalizing because he's a janitor, not a student. And then he right. notices, wait, this is correct. Yeah. He's like, holy crap. And then, <laughs> which was kind of a fun realization moment. Um, I, you know, I just love that, like that, the hidden uh, genius story, almost like the diamond in the rough sort of thing. Um, it is a saying? diamond in the rough. Oh, this is Aladdin all over again. Yeah, this is modern Aladdin at MIT. <laughs> um, maybe genie made him so smart. Um, so basically, this guy goes after Will. Now, Will kind of uh, this is I, I like this next scene because it sets up Will's predicament really well. Um, they're driving with his buddies, his his friends that arguably are good for him but also not good for him um would you agree with that i mean they're like yeah their friends are true friends but they're not maybe not the best influence on them i don't know if that's i think they're not bad influences they are true friends i think it's just that they're in a bad situation and so the the scene in question they're driving around they see like a group of guys that used to beat up will and they go and fight them and i I think you can look at that and say, all oh, these are bad guys. They're just fighting people for random. But also, you got to think about where they are. That's almost like just what you had to do to keep your head up in, in you know, southern Boston. You had to show that you were tough like that. Yeah, that's a good point. So they were, yeah, I guess in that context, they were just doing what they did. Um, 
No, yeah, you're right there. Um, so they have this fight, and the reason that I'm I'm taking some time to talk about it is because it it sets up this entire story. He um, he gets hit. Uh, they hit each other, whatever, uh, and the off- officers come in and they arrest him. Um, yeah, and, and he, he goes. He hits one of the cops, kind of just lashing out. Yeah, he yeah he strikes a cop. That's right, and so he gets arrested, and then he goes to court, and he is defending himself, which is actually a really brilliant scene because he's his own attorney almost. He's <laughs> he's so smart that he's had all of his other cases. Like I said earlier, he's been arrested a thousand times. And and he's had all of his cases thrown out just on like technicalities from 1787 or something like seriously, like laws that were antiquated and old, but still laws. Because yeah. um, he, he's yeah. talked his way out of it because he's read basically every law book ever. And he knows all this. He know he has like a perfect memory. He knows all these little facets. There's a great scene right before this where um, they're at a Harvard bar and some yippie Harvard student is trying to talk down one of Will's friends and Will steps in and just starts quoting the Harvard student's argument back to him and like repeating it and just listing the books that the student has clearly read. It's like, oh, you got this from that book. You got this from that book. And if we had this conversation next year, you start quoting this book and that book. And and he even calls out the page numbers. <laughs> he does. Call out the page number and he's, he straight up quotes a part of the book that the student was clearly quoting as well. And he said, are you just going to quote your whole argument in front of all of us? It was so good. And I really, let's talk about that scene really quick because this shows his character well. He's a genius. First off, that would be awesome to be able to do. Um, you know, just remember every page of every book you ever read. Um, <laughs> but I really liked, I actually kind of really liked the scene where he, um, where the guy's like, well, or, or no, no, he, he said, Will said, sorry, Will said, um, one day you're going to realize that you got you paid 150 grand for an education you could have gotten for a dollar fifty in late charges at the library. I was like, oh, that's so good. And then he responds like, oh, well, your kids will be or your you will be serving my kids at a drive through one day. And Will's like, well, maybe, but at least I will be original. And I was I, like, oh, that's so good though. I do like that argument, and I I think it sets up what I believe to be Will's biggest problem in this film, which is a lack of understanding of like what a higher education can really be because yes 100% you can get a higher education and what all you've done is just allowed someone to put their thoughts into your brain that's totally what it can be you can also get a higher education to challenge yourself to make yourself better and to make the world better yeah not to jump too far ahead but there's a part toward the end where someone says well this isn't you you don't you don't deserve this we deserve for you to do this and like that, Will's biggest problem, I think, in this film is a, a a self-centered idealism about what is worth it. Yeah, and he knows he's smart too. Like he knows it, uh, and he knows that almost to some degree that's his problem. Um, he's almost become he, lazy about his intelligence. Yeah, he's so smart, he's lazy, which happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you're right. Wow, that's really good. So, um, basically, though, the court is like, okay, you know, we don't, we don't want any of this anymore. Um, you know, you're done. This judge just, you're done. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're going away for this one. Um, and Will gets out of it because the professor from MIT that he told to go f himself. Um, <laughs> finds him. That is one thing I would say about this film: a lot of swearing. 
Loss wearing, but I felt like it was appropriate. It was, and it was fitting with the character. And, like, yeah. even I, like, it, it made sense. It did make sense. It's still just it, shocking in some parts. Sure, it was a lot. I don't think, I do think it, I don't know if it would have developed as well, though, without it. No, and it does, like, he and his friends swear a lot, and really that's exactly what those characters would be doing in real life. That's exactly what they, how they would talk. And I, I did like, there are points. I don't know if you notice this, the more time Will spends with the therapist, Robin Williams character, the less he is swearing just like with every word. Yeah. You see the transformation of him as a person. Yeah. I, I we can talk more about that as we move on. Cause I think there's something oh, interesting about boy. that. <laughs> yeah. Once we get this set up for the viewers, I have a lot of really deep thoughts on this movie. Um, so back to the, back to the jail, he's going to be released yeah. from jail on probation under the agreement that he, a works with a professor studying mathematics, basically becoming kind of a free MIT student. And yeah, B, he has to start seeing a therapist, which he's, as he tells professor, I'll do the math, but I'm not seeing a therapist. And so they start. Oh, that was a deal. Yeah. So he asked it. Yes, mm-hmm. he, he has to start seeing therapists. He essentially forces all of them to quit by outsmarting them, and by picking on them in super five different therapists. <laughs> yeah. So the professor finally goes to his old college roommate, which the two of them clearly have something against each other, but they won't admit it. And the old college roommate, Robin Williams, who's just a community college professor of ther- of psychology or whatever, he agrees to start seeing Will, and he gets Will. And gets into Will. <laughs> yeah, so this guy's named Sean. He's played, and like you said, he's played by Robin Williams. Um, I love Robin Williams' serious roles. This was a... Man, I, not only was this a serious role, in their first conversation, Robin Williams... His character's named Sean. We'll call him Sean. Sean and Will are talking, and Will is picking on Sean about Sean's dead wife. Yeah. Uh, find so, out his because wife he's, died of cancer. And he's doing it because this is what he's done to all the other therapists. He's... He's basically found something. He's hyperanalyzed them using his book smarts, and he's basically made them quit by exposing or just being a jerk. You know what I'm saying? Like, just he's a, had he's exposed all these things in these therapists that made them quit. So that's what he's trying to do, with Sean. Right, but Sean doesn't take it. Sean's also from South Boston, so instead of just walking out or quitting, he throws Will against the wall and chokes him and says, "If you ever disrespect my wife again, I'll end you." And then Will just explosive, but yes, yeah. <laughs> Will walks out, and the professor comes in, and it's like I told the gift, you never wanted to work with him again. And Sean says, "Thursdays at four, make sure he shows up. He's going to take the case." Yeah, <laughs> that was. That's not only Robin Williams very serious. That's Robin Williams scary, which I realized I'd never seen before. And wow, is that frightening? Oh, you're not wrong. That is one of the first roles we've seen him very. Yeah. No, you're right. That's interesting. I would agree with that. Um, kind of makes you wonder what would have happened if Ron Williams ever played like a comic book villain or something. That's interesting. I don't know. He was brilliant, man. Um, seriously, though, I love seeing him in these kind of roles, though, because I think he excelled at it. Oh, definitely. He won, he won an Oscar for it. So clearly it was fantastic. Did he really? I didn't know he won an Oscar for this role. Yeah, he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Role, and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck won for Original Screenplay. And they deserved it. I and, agree with that one. And the, the girlfriend got nominated, but didn't win. Gotcha. 
Okay, so, um, yeah, you're right, though. We really haven't seen Robin ever take on, I don't know, I don't want to say that definitively, but I, at least I haven't seen it. doesn't mean he hasn't done it, but I don't think I've seen him take on a role like this. Yeah, it's, it's Robin Williams. I love it at this point in his career where he got to essentially just pick and choose the roles he wanted, and he seemed like he was just picking the parts that fascinated him the most, which is awesome because they were incredible. That's a good point, man. So he's seen um, Sean. Sean basically, and what I loved about that scene is that Sean like asserted him, asserted himself to Will. He's like, dude, by choking him, <laughs> throwing him against the wall and choking him, he, he kind of like, and I, and it was definitely out of anger. I don't think it was out of some sort of like master plan, but he definitely showed to to Sean um, to Will that he's not gonna take it. And even before that, Will kept like trying to pick apart different parts of Sean's life, but Sean kept shutting him down just right away, just either by not letting it affect him or diverting the conversation or kind of just saying, you know what, Will, you're right, but it's stupid. Or, and it, it like he has unsettled Will right off, which is why Will had to go straight to Robin's wife. It yeah. Got, it got serious. It got really serious. Um, but he, he agrees to take the case. Sean agrees to take the case with the kid. And um, and that's kind of where we, we really start to jump off. Um, yeah, we're about 30 minutes in. Yeah. So he also, at this bar, he met a girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, played by Minnie Driver, who I realized I don't think I've ever actually seen anything before. She, um, so she's a she's British, and she is fascinated by Will, and Will is interested by her. Um, I love the role that he when she's like, we should go get coffee sometime. And she's like, and he and he's like, well, we could just eat caramels. And she's like, what? He's like, well, it's just as arbitrary as getting coffee. He's so smart. He's like not in tune to like relational things almost. Um, yeah, I thought that was funny. It's smart, but it's also pretty smug about it too. Oh, for sure. Which he's a jerk. <laughs> he he kind of is a jerk, but I think. I think even she sees it and realizes it and kind of is trying to push it out of him. They go on a date and they just they walk around a couple of weird little gift shops. They get burgers at a small burger joint, um, and they're having they're having fun. And it's kind of you don't really get to see him have fun like that outside no. of hanging out with his friends at the bar. It's like the first time he's had fun. Yeah, Almost. kind of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's what I like about this movie. Um, I, I personally struggle um, with a lot of mental health things, and and Will has um, is struggling with a lot of mental health things. So seeing this journey that Will's taking is actually really accurate to like a true journey of seeing the therapist and like and getting counseling, things like that. So that's kind of what I like about this story, and it shows like even little things like with the candies. Or like with you know, let's go eat caramel, or going yeah. out with this girl, going out with this girl and having a really great time. It shows such a um, an interesting introspection into mental health. Um, so I thought that was really interesting about this film. They had a really, I feel like these these guys had a really deep understanding of of that to some degree. So I thought that was interesting um, as a whole for this film. That's like an overarching statement. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. This is. Like we said earlier, they worked really hard on this, and it's clearly something that they poured a lot of time and effort into. 
and wanted to make it right and wanted to do it right, which is which is great. So, um, okay, going forward here. Uh, so we've met the girlfriend. Uh, we've told about Sean, the professor a little bit. So the professor basically wants to mold Sean into this character. Uh, he's a math genius, so he wants to make him like the next math genius. It's going to make do work that's going to change the world forever. Yeah, because the professor, he's a Fields medalist, which is like the Nobel Prize of mathematics, which they say so in they the only film. give away for, yeah, every four years. Um, and he wants Will to be the next big genius. Um, and we, we strike on something here. Robin Williams' character, Sean, he 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 meant he makes a comment uh, that even in trying to help Will, the professor is being very selfish. He's he's really doing this for himself, that he can find the next big genius and make it a thing. And it's not that he's you know, he's not even a villainous character. This is something I like about this film. There's not really a villain. There's not kind of a bad guy, but you can kind of see everyone is, is doing something wrong in a way. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. The professor is, is trying to make Will this, this math genius, but not to help Will. Really, it's, it's to help himself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it... Oh yeah, yeah. He's he has this ulterior motive to him. Yeah, that's um, what it is. Because he he can't because he is because the professor is a math genius by all stretches of the of the of the imagination. Um, in fact, he even says towards the end of the movie, you know, Will, there's only a handful of people in the world that can tell the difference between you and me, and I'm one of them. And and he, and it's just a really powerful statement that like. He's almost coming to, not almost, he's coming to grips with his own, own inadequacy and his own pride as a yeah. professor. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and let's, let's talk about Will's friends real quick before we dive into the deep part of the story. Yeah, yeah. He's got yeah, his, if it hasn't been deep yet. <laughs> he's got his best friend played by Ben Affleck. Uh, what's the best friend's name? Let me look real quick. It's Chucky, which is just such a perfect Boston name. Uh, yep. <laughs> best friend chucky and chucky and will are pretty similar except chucky's just a normal dude he's a normal boston guy he works construction he drives an old car he hangs out with his friends on the weekend they go to bars drink beers he hits on chicks in a bar and that's his life and he likes that and yeah he likes spending time with will he's best friends with will but he he knows that will is supposed to do more and could do more and throughout all this he's kind of pushing will to do more yeah. Yeah, and which is which is really cool. He's a good friend in that regard. Um Chucky kinda has his head on his shoulders in, in a really good way. Um yeah. you know, he, he knows kind of what he is doing, what he's going for in some degree to some degree. Um and he's kinda content with that. But he's still like he sees more in Will. So yeah, okay. Let's dive in to the deeper stuff then. Yeah. What do you want? To, what do you want to start then? Oh man. Um. There's a lot to start with. Let's let's just start talking about the therapy sessions because those are kind of the core of this film. Yeah. Uh, after that initial one where they get into the little fight, they uh, Will comes back and and Sean takes him down to the river and he essentially just tells Will, "You're a genius, but you have done nothing with your life, hmm. and that's why you're never going to get to me is because." I have done something with my life, even if I'm not nearly as smart as you. 
which was such a powerful statement. He yeah. was, it was powerful. I, I was like, I was being challenged in the conversation to some degree. It was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, I'm learning something from this. But, but no, because he's like, well, you've read all, you, you know, uh, Michelangelo, you know, all of his works, you, you know, you've read all the books, you've, you know, all the, you know, what he is, his sexual orientation, all this stuff, whatever. But can you tell me what the Sistine Chapel smells like? Yeah. And it, there's this underlying point of like, you might be a genius, but an unapplied genius is as worthless as as any regular person <laughs> which was like oh my gosh that's so good <laughs> it was actually a brilliant <laughs> moment for for will um because it was someone telling him it, he was really telling him you're not as good as you think you are not yet not not yet he's not he can be but he but he hasn't done anything right. yet exactly but he thinks that, like, by reading all these, Will thinks that by reading all these books, he can, um, I don't know if you agree, I, Will's thinking by reading all these books that he is, and he and he has, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, in a Do way. Do you agree with that? I think Will has, in a way, just kind of gotten bored with life, and just, just gotten bored with applying himself in the things that he finds easy. So he, he tells the professor at the end of the movie, like, this is so easy for me. And it's like, he's bored with it. He's bored with advanced math. He's bored with advanced sciences because it's too easy for him. But that's what everyone's wanting him to do. He's, you know, he's the kind of guy that could cure cancer, but it doesn't interest him. Which, there, it's the two sides of this argument here. The professor who's kind of arguing that, Again, he's not he's not going to cure cancer, but let's just use that as a metaphor. If Will can cure cancer, he owes it to the world to cure cancer. And the the therapist, his argument is Will doesn't know anything to anyone but to himself. What are your thoughts on that? That's kind of a deep that's a loaded statement there. That is a loaded statement. That's that might be one of the biggest questions of all time of if you can, should you or do you have to? Well, I think if you can, should you is a little too general because there's a lot of things we can do that we shouldn't do, as well, you know, mur- murdering someone. <laughs> that, that's totally fair. I think it's. I think it's a. It's there. There's this. There's this question that has been in stories for a very long time, of you know, if you can help people, do you have to? I mean, even if you look, uh, I've been kind of obsessed with Greek mythology recently, and by recently sure. I mean my whole life. Um, <laughs> that that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that is a question that uh, is asked a lot by a lot of different characters. You look at heroes like Hercules and Theseus. These are people that they could change the world for the good. There are monsters out there. They can kill the monsters so the monsters can't kill anyone else. What obligation do they have to do so? So you look at the story character of Theseus, who he... He's going to travel from his hometown of treason to Athens to meet his father. And he can either go by sea, which would be quick and safe, or he can go by land, which would be dangerous because he's going to face all these monsters on his way. And his, his point is, I should go by land. I can defeat these monsters, and I kind of owe it to these people to do so. And his mom's point is, you don't owe it to these people just because you can. It's not your fault the monsters are here. But, you know, if you want to defeat them, go ahead. I think that's a similar question being asked in this film. Will has the ability to solve these 
these great math problems and these great science questions. And but why should he? He he's, he has an interview at one point with the NSA where they ask him, "Why shouldn't you work for us?" And Will goes in this tirade about, you know, what if one of the codes that I break <laughs> is, yeah. Yeah, what if one of the codes I break is the location of a enemy camp somewhere in Iran, and then you go bomb it, and fifteen thousand people are dead because of what I do. And he goes on about how, you know, oil companies are then just going to buy up the land and drill it for oil, but it's going to raise the price of oil here, and then a factory that was here is going to move out there so they can have the work for a, t- a tenth of the cost, and blah blah blah. And, why shouldn't I? Is because I have no promise that it's going to make the world a better place. I think that's Will's. That's that's kind of where Will is at at this point with his genius. When he's starting with the therapist, it's like, why should I use my genius when it seems like it's always just used for the wrong stuff? Oh, that's good. What do you think? Yeah, I no, I completely agree with that. I think it almost. Um I no, I hundred percent agree with everything you just said. I'm going to take it one step further because I almost think it, pu- it pushes that question, but also another question with that is that um, let's say Will went down that path and he did all these great things. He cures cancer. That's a good thing. No one's yeah. not arguing that's not a good thing. But if Will loses who he is in that journey, I feel like that's almost what Sean is trying to get at at the core of some of these things in this conversation, even. Uh, maybe not. I think it's a prerequisite maybe to this, um, to that. This conversation is a prerequisite to this, that you, um, don't get lost in, in like your work and what you're doing and all the good you're doing. Like, is it worth it to lose yourself? Like this, this professor has arguably been consumed by his work. Um, uh, at one point, even being willing to jump into a fireplace to save some papers that have been burned. Yeah, like he, like that is everything he is, and he's great. He won the field medal. He's done incredible things for mathematics, I'm sure. But the question is being also, just because you can cure cancer and do all these things like that, um, it's good that you did it. That's awesome. But what's the price to you? Well, that is, is a, it. That is you know a deep. Saying? Yeah, that's a deep question, and I feel like that's a great time to take a break for a quick ad. Let's monetize this moment, shall we? <laughs> Let's monetize I'm this kidding. moment. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's take a moment to monetize our moment with Podcoin. Luke, today we're being sponsored by Podcoin. Hey, Podcoin. Podcoin is, a, if you haven't heard of it, we've only been talking about it for a month now. It's a really great... <laughs> if, you haven't been, if you haven't heard of it, you've never listened to any of our podcasts this long. That's, that's, it's, a, it's a great uh, podcast listening uh, player for your phones. It's on Windows and Android. Not Windows. Apple, Android. Might be on Windows. Who knows? Does anyone still have a Windows phone out there? Let me know if you do. Anyway, um, it's a podcast <laughs> player where you can listen to podcasts and earn money while you're doing it. Don't you love earning money if you're doing something you're already doing in the first place? I know I do. <laughs> yeah. If I could monetize my day, that would be awesome. <laughs> Let's monetize this moment. Yeah, just so like <laughs> seriously though, if you're listening to this podcast, you could be monetizing this moment. Yeah, you could be earning money for Starbucks gift cards, Target gift cards, Amazon gift cards, or you can uh, earn money and give it to charities through Podcoin. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. It, it is actually really cool. Um, <laughs> seriously, I actually almost have a Starbucks gift card, um, which is kind of cool as well. So there's fun little things you can earn from doing it and you just have to do what you're already doing. So it's kind of like you're a bad investor if you don't do it. 
Oh wow, Luke's calling you out. If you don't do this, you're stupid. Luke said it. Did you hear? Can you believe that? Luke said that. <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> so you're if not you're stupid, if you're interested in earning money and not being stupid, you can use our promo code <laughs> Nextflix N X T F L I X to earn 300 bonus coins, which is already like a quarter of a way to a Starbucks gift card. Boom. Do Boom. it. And now okay. back to the show. So I feel like that's almost the um, what he's saying to some degree, though, um, and, and not specifically. And I don't think in that scene, I'm kind of going in further out and saying because he definitely does like what if the boy doesn't want to become like you? I think it's almost saying if you can cure cancer and you do, but you lose yourself and doing everything with it. Was that was that sacrifice worth it to you? Yeah. And I think. I, th- I think that is Sean's argument to the professor. And I think Sean's argument to Will is do something where you can find yourself. L- little tangent, but it will make sense. Are you familiar with a man named Andrew Wiles? Oh, that sounds familiar, but I'm not familiar. I'm, but I'm not like, I don't know who it is. The short version of the story is that Andrew Wiles is the man who solved uh, Fermat's last theorem, which is one of the greatest math problems of all time. Okay. The long story is this was something he spent quite literally his whole life on. He learned about it when he was like nine or 10 and it was the thing he dedicated his life to. He became, uh, uh, he studied math. He got a PhD in mathematics. He started teaching at Cambridge. I think I don't remember where exactly, but he started teaching at a a prestigious school, very, very big prestigious school all so that he could work on Fermat's Last Theorem. And this was his life. This is what he did. He taught, he went to lectures, then he went home and worked on this theorem. And he, he didn't do it out of a sense of necessity. He did it because he wanted to do it and because he loved it. And solving it was like really finding a part of him and figuring out who he was. Hmm. I think you can really challenge yourself and do these great impossible things and find a piece of who you are, or you can do it and lose a piece of who you are. It's almost a fine line that you have to be aware of. It is. And I think that's, that's Sean, that's Sean's argument to will. You've got to do something where you're going to find yourself, not where you're going to lose yourself. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's really good. I feel like, oh, that's, yeah, I can't say that's good enough. That's really good. Um, <laughs> Sean has a lot of emotional wisdom. Um, Robin Williams has a lot of emotional wisdom. So in, in this scene, that, that specifically was just kind of how it was ca- the catalyst for all that stuff. And you can actually legitimately tell that, like, Will is very book smart, very smart. I wouldn't even say book smart. I'd say very smart with just math, all this other stuff. But his emotional intelligence isn't so much. And that's partially because of what he's been through, what he's dealing with, what his mental things are, his mental battles. Um, and it's, it's, all, and it's, a, it's, it's a, also a, a lack of experience that he doesn't, he doesn't really let himself try. He mentions to, the, to this girl that he's dating that he doesn't really date. And Robin Williams later calls him out on it and says, you don't, you don't take a first step because you're afraid of getting hurt. You don't go out on dates because you're afraid the person's going to reject you. Yeah. And it, it even comes up later in the movie when he says, um, this kid's been rejected for 20 years. So anytime someone starts to get close to him, he pushes him away. Which in turn happens with this girl. This girl's named Skylar. They go on several dates. They're falling in love. 
and she wants him to come to California with her. She's going to be transferring to Stanford to go to med school, and he freaks out, and he just just goes off on her and then leaves her, says he doesn't love her, because he's, he's afraid, and he's pushing her away. And he kind of really admits to her in that moment that, hey, I'm an orphan. I, don't, I didn't have brothers. I lied to you about having brothers. Like, this scar on me is from being stabbed. It's not from surgery. Like, all these things. It's like a, that scene is very well done. Um, and I know we're jumping ahead a lot to talk about that scene real quick, but this is such a unique movie. It's fine not to go literally, I feel like. Yeah. Um, that, first off, the acting in that scene, I think, is brilliant. Oh, I'm, very much so. I remember I this morning when I watched it again, I, I seriously was sitting in the chair watching it and I just like I wanted to clap. I, like, I wanted I wanted to cry. Skyler was it, crying and I wanted to cry, too. I was very. Oh, there's another scene that I did. I did cry this morning and I cannot wait to talk about that. Um, oh, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Oh, dude, I can't wait to talk about. It. So, OK, but but that scene is just well done because it shows how broken Will is from his past and how, and he hasn't been able to, he hasn't dealt with a lot of things there and is coming out to her and these, and, the, and with this anger and with not pushing her away, not trusting her, things like that. Yeah. And Will has at this point, he's kind of given up. He's not going to the professor. Well, he is still going to the professor, but he's not, he's solving the problems, but he doesn't care anymore. He's, I don't think he's seen Sean anymore. He's kind of stopped doing that, which is bad because he could go back to jail if he doesn't keep that up. Right. And, and the professor is like really getting fed up with them. Um, you know, cause the professor, like he, you know, that's an interesting character in the professor. He's kind of the antagonist in this movie, but also like, he's also the catalyst that like, if, if this professor didn't do anything, he would be in jail. Will would be in jail. Yeah, I made the point earlier that there's not really a villain in this film. The no, professor is no. the more antagonizing character, but I think there's also an element of he kind of is a victim as well, a victim of his own selfishness, to be fair, but... But a victim. Yeah, he's not trying to hurt Will. He's more just not thinking about Will. He's insensitive to Will. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. You know, he's insensitive to like what will is um, just will. I mean, his background, his his everything. Yeah, he cares a lot about Will's brain, but not a lot about Will's life. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's good. So they have this big blowout fight. Um, yeah, him and his girl have this big blowout fight, and that's really kind of when Will starts to shut down. He goes back to do working construction. Well, he's been working construction, but I guess we we see it for the first time. Um, but he's not showing up to his meetings with the professor or with, with the counselor, which is a violation of his, his probation thing. And this is another really kind of cool moment in the movie for me. Um, well, we should mention, sca- we should mention real quick. He's also not going to these job interviews. Professor has been setting up job interviews at these like prestigious uh, jobs for him to work mathematics and science. We mentioned NSA, uh, some other scientific research uh, facilities where Wills could be making, uh, he could be making a lot of money. One, one of the jobs is offering 84000 a year, which in 1977 was a ton of money. 1997 it was. Um, Did I say 87? I meant 97. Yeah, that no, it's all good. It's still a lot of money. It's still a lot of money today too. But um, I'm actually curious how much that is in, in today's dollars. I'm actually looking it up. <laughs> you go ahead. Okay, fact check. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, who cares? So, but he's, he's going to all these interviews. He actually sends his friend, his, his best friend, um, Chucky, to the interview to, like, botch it. He basically goes in there, and he's wearing a, a shoot with, uh, shoot, a suit um, with these really crappy boat shoes. And um, he's like, we've already, the interviews are like, we've already offered you the job for $86,000 a year. And the guy's like, retainer. Everyone retainer. has a retainer. retainer. By the way, that's that's like one hundred and fifty thousand a year now. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of money. Um, and the guy's like, it, yeah, that's a lot of money but for no one with a for someone without a degree or education or like any training at all. That's awesome. Where did, where did Chucky get that suit? Chucky's like a, a poor Boston kid as well. Where did she get that suit from? A perfectly no tailored suit. I did, well, but the best part is he's wearing white socks and the boat shoes. I feel like that's Ben Affleck's personality. A perfectly tailored suit, boat shoes. It's so great with white <laughs> socks, with ugly white socks. Can we and talk real quick about Ben Affleck in this era? Because this was like prime Ben Affleck. Ooh, that's a heavy statement. No, hold on. Let me say Ben Affleck is amazing right now. He's kind of gone into, I feel like, two different primes in his life. Yeah. This is his first prime. This is his kind of chaotic, evil, hilarious, charming, I'm the mid-twenties guy that every girl wants to date. Have you seen Armageddon? Do you see that perfect smile in Armageddon? <laughs> I did. That's awesome. And he's now, funny. he's now in like a George Clooney, older guy, I can play any character in the world kind of prime, which is powerful, but man, do I miss chaotic, evil Ben Affleck. Man, no, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're totally right. So that that was kind of fun. Anyways, he's botching all these interviews because he doesn't want, um, he doesn't want the job. Which yeah, is, he he, he kind of wants the um, the challenge, but he doesn't want the job. But sense? and none of these are challenging him. They don't. None of these are asking him to really push himself in any way. They're asking him to just do the things he can do. He has this uh this great metaphor which I want to talk about, and I think you already mentioned it earlier, but he. When the, the girl and Skylar's asking him, how do you know all this? And he says, when, when someone like Beethoven looks at a piano, they can just play it. When I look at it, I see a box of wood with keys. But when I look at this math problem, I can just play it. And it's like, this is just, it's natural to him. And so he's, he's kind of over it and he's looking for something new. <clears throat> and I think that's why he's botching these jobs is it's not anything new and it's not helping him figure out who he really is. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so maybe that poses a further question there too. Like, if um, if you if you could do all this good uh, good in the world, but it's not going to challenge you and make you a better person, should you do it? Man, that's that is such a deep question. And I can understand arguments both ways. I can understand the argument of like. Well, yeah, if someone could cure cancer, they kind of owe it to the world to cure cancer. But I can also understand the argument of, like, they don't owe anything to the world. They're a person. They don't owe anything to other people who don't even know them. I have no answer. No, I'd like I, to say I, I had an answer, but I have no answer. There isn't an answer. This is like an ethics class discussion almost. Um, okay, so back to, the, back to Will, though. Um, it's clear that Will is not um, wanting to process who he is and his genius or who he is social economically or as a person, like where he's at. Um, he's almost just wanting to be content where he's at. Yeah. 
and at his own place. We're we're at this we're at this point. Uh, he's he's walked away from everyone. He's left the girl. He's not going to the therapy meetings. He's he's said screw you to the professor, and he's working construction with Chucky. And he he tells Chucky like I'm going to be here forever. And he's Chucky like, our says, "Our kids are going to go go out, and you know our kids are going to grow up together. We're going to go to Little League with them." Like yeah. he, pitch, he he paints this like life, this long life of fun. Yeah, and Chucky says like. If you're here 20 years from now, I'm going to kill you because you shouldn't be here. Like, you don't... And and this is my favorite part. This is my favorite argument of the film. This is the moment where I went, oh, wow. Will says, I don't owe it to myself to do this. And Chucky says, no, you don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. You owe it to everyone who lives on the South End to get out of here and do something with that brain of yours. Yep. I completely agree. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That move, that moment is like, wow, that's like awesome friend right there. Yeah, this is this is a moment where Will is really starting to realize like he has been kind of selfish, and maybe not selfish is the right word, maybe more self centered. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk but, about the the scene that made you cry? Because I think that's next. Actually, I don't, we're not following this film literally, so it's hard to tell. But I think that is it, next. It is. We're not. And I'm sorry. You guys just need to watch this movie. This is just a good conversation with how how deep this script goes. Oh yeah. Um, first off, at that point, Will has a really important realization that for him, for Will, he decided. I do have this winning lottery ticket. His friend calls it a winning lottery ticket to get out, but he's like putting it under his pillow and just staying there. Yeah. And and maybe and that's why maybe I'm more inclined to agree with this friend's argument for the whole entire metaphysical discussion we've kind of had throughout this entire thing. He's like, you owe it to us. Like, you can do something. We we would give anything to have what you have. And at that moment, it kind of changes. You see something kind of click in him to some degree. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this guy who's literally of my family. He's my brother. You know, he's. He's an or you know Will's an orphan. He doesn't have any real family, but it kind of changes him. Um, so it, it you know it, you see the switch in Will, and it's cool that it's taken this long to get to him because that's totally how it is in real life too. When you're dealing with with mental things and, and overcoming your past, is it, it takes a long time to get there, and yeah. you have and you have to realize it yourself. That's what's so brilliant is that you have to realize it. Someone someone can lead you to water. But you have to drink it. And um, and that's totally what happens with Will here in that moment. Um, OK, so he goes he go at this time. He goes. Uh, he's like, OK, fine. I'm going to go back to Sean and, and to the professor and I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something with this. And he does. So he goes back there. And this is another brilliant. This is the scene you were talking about, right, where they were fighting. Uh, were he in the professor fight? Yeah, you were talking about that at the beginning of the episode. That's like the first thing they filmed in the movie? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the professor and the therapist, they they have this fight about Will. And the therapist just keeps kind of pushing on the professor. Like, you're, you're talking about you. You're not talking about Will. You're worried too much about how this is going to affect you and how this is going to how you're going to look at this, but you're not even talking about Will. And like, <clears throat> and the, the therapist, the professor is kind of, you know, snapping back. It's like, you, it's not my fault. You haven't done anything with your life that you're stuck here, this little ho dunk community college and you're not anywhere. 
And the therapist says, I don't care. I'm happy. Uh, and he's like, I don't want Will to be where you are, top of the world, but hating himself, kind of. And that's such an interesting... Again, it kind of goes back to almost the central theme of this movie. If you've become something that's awesome, what's the real definition of like success to people? Because the definition of success to people is like totally this professor that's done all those awesome things, not working at a community college. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, and it's it, it is a good question of like what the definition of success is, and I think there's. I think there's a lot of different definitions, but I think one I that like I've it's always... in the eyes of the beholder, like in the eyes of the person. Um, it really is. It's, do you feel successful? Yeah, like, how could the... Because he makes a really good point that, like, if you... Well, this is interesting. I just look up the definition of success, and the, the exact, like, Webster... Well, I don't know if it's Webster. It's whatever, when I Googled it. But the definition of success is the accomplishment of an aim... Or purpose. That that is interesting. Like, it's, I guess you could hmm. understand. Um, I guess you could you could I could understand why a purpose could be something as simple as just having a job that allows you to come home to a family and afford to have a family. Like, quite frankly, I think I, I'm kind of there. Like, my job is not about challenging myself for getting super rich my job is about being able to come home to my wife and kid and enjoy my wife and child and to and it, you though that's your aim and purpose yeah and I, I feel very successful and I think that's that's been the professor's challenge to Will is what what's going to make you successful well I think that's no I, I think that's Sean's challenge I don't know if that's the professor's I meant the professor I, I, yeah, yeah I misspoke um no, but I totally agree. <laughs> this is why there's two hosts to this show. <laughs> no, yeah, it's okay. No, no. I was just making sure I didn't miss a part of the, the movie. Because um, you never know. That's always a possibility. But man, is that deep, though? Like, seriously. the I feel like that's almost a sub-note to this movie, to just even as Will's development as a character to becoming, like, free from his past and becoming, like, who he can be, is that success is, to at least with the story of this professor, Success is totally in the eyes of you. Like, yeah. who who cares if success isn't if someone thinks you're not successful? Because it, I mean, emotion, you know, feelings, whatever. Like, if someone's come up to you and say, "Oh man, you just do this," and you know, that's all you do, you're not success, successful. I mean, that hurts because you're a human. But <laughs> but ultimately, like. It was never really between you and that person in the first place. Yeah. There's a so, really there's a really good quote from Mother <laughs> Teresa I heard the other day about that, by the way. Go ahead. It's really deep. It's it's a really long quote, so I'm not gonna do the whole thing. But basically she hung this quote up everywhere that like she had a center or a or a thing. And it said a lot of really good things. I encourage you guys to look it up. But the one I'll say is like, um and, and I don't want to misquote, so I'm, I'm I'm pulling up this the very end of this this quote. Uh, and Mother Teresa was obviously, um, I mean, she was obviously a, a, a pre or a, not a priest. She's a nun. So, um, right. Am I right about that? She's a nun. What that was sounds she? right. Yeah. I she was so. something spiritual. So it was kind of, it was a God, um, it was a God thing. Um, and I texted my wife this quote cause it's awesome. It's not loading. 
because I, I text my wife a lot of pictures. I didn't realize that. Here it is. Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Okay, so um, it says a lot of things. It says a lot of things anyways. Um, she says things like, if you find happiness, uh, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. Uh, if you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyways. She said, give the world you best you have, and it may never, may never be enough for them, but give your best anyways. And as she wraps up by saying, for you see, in the end, it is between you and God. He was never between you and them anyway. And and I think that kind of speaks to this a little bit in a little small way. Is like success is totally to you. It's not like something that is between you and Billy Joel over there that thinks that you're a failure. Um, and I feel like that's kind of a sub note of this movie. I don't know. I'm kind of like maybe I'm on a branch with that one. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I feel like as we talk about it more, I'm kind of realizing that. I I do agree with you. I think that's um. I think that's that that does fit very well into the therapist's into his point. And that's that kind of is his point where he like it, it doesn't matter if everyone else says you're living your life wrong or if you if if you um if everyone says this is how you should be living your life and you're doing it wrong, live your life anyway. And this is totally like he even kind of says it early on in the movie when he met his wife. It was game six of the World Series um, with the with the Red Sox. Right. Was it the Red Sox? It was I don't, I'm not. It was whatever. Well, yeah, the Boston Red Sox. That's the Boston. Red, the 93. I think it's 93 World Series. The biggest game ever for that team. It was just the biggest deal ever is the biggest win ever. And he got tickets to it. The this the therapist, Sean, got tickets to go see it. But he didn't go because he was in a bar and this wonderful and this gorgeous woman walked in and he <laughs> and he's and he slid his tickets to his friends and said, go ahead. I'm I yeah, got, I, I've got the quote up pull up here because it's my favorite quote. I, I just slid my ticket across the table and said, sorry, guys, I got to see about a girl. And dude. And he says like and, and Will was like, this is before Will. This was early in the movie. So Will was like just kind of acclimating to them being friends and. And opening up to him, and Will's like, what are you talking about? You missed the greatest game in history. The greatest game in baseball history for a girl? And, and, and But Sean's like, yeah, but I don't regret it at all. Yeah, Sean's trying to make a deeper point here. Because it's, it's, they, had, they had been talking about Sean's life, and as a, as a, like I said, community college professor, and it's clear that Sean could have been a lot more. He could have, he could have been in the same place that the professor's in. Yeah. But like Sean says, uh, uh, actually, again, I have the quote here because it's my favorite. Uh, that's why I'm not talking about some girl I saw at a ball 20 years ago and how I always regretted not going to ever talk to her. I don't regret the 18 years I was married to her. I don't regret the last six years I had to give up counseling when she got sick. I don't regret the last years when she got really sick. I sure don't regret missing a darn baseball game. That's regret. It's like he didn't do what everyone thought he would do. He didn't live the life that everyone thought he would live because he was a genius and he could have lived this, you know, genius life. But the, the, the therapist doesn't regret it because he lived his best life. Yeah, it, live your best life. <laughs> you just made it so millennial. You just made it so millennial. It is, though. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. It just sounds like so much more cheesy when you put it in that. In that. But you're, you're right. You are right, though. You're 100% right. Um it, yeah, you know, you are right, man. Um, 
but that's powerful kind of to some degree too. Like, like Will wasn't understanding to some degree. Maybe it's because Will always had the expectation put on him from even the professor, but maybe even others that knew he was smart that like, you're smart, you're a genius. You have to go do this. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to go do these big things. Yeah. He never has had the perspective of, yeah, you can miss the big game because the woman that you meet there is going to be the best person you've ever met and will be your, your partner for 26 years until she dies. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's a huge moment. And this is, this fight is like really deep. So they're basically (laughs) fighting into way back when, when we first started this conversation, they were, they're fighting about that. The, the, basically the professor's like, you're just mad at me because you're nothing. And I'm something, you know, like they're going back and forth with each other. Yeah. And Will walks in, he interrupts the fight. The professor leaves, he and the therapist, they have kind of an awkward conversation because the therapist had kicked Will out of the last, the last, uh, last session because Will was just being a smart aleck, not answering the questions, not really. He, he asked him, um, what you want to be when you're older? Like what, what are you passionate about? What yeah. do you want to do? Like, you don't want a job at the NSA. What do you want to do? And the guy's like, I want to be a shepherd. And he kicks him out for that. And um, and I really I want to talk about this scene a little bit, because I think it's in this scene that they they were laughing beforehand. Right. It's just like they were like just barely laughing for a little bit about something. Was it no, this, that, was, that, that, that was a lot earlier. That was when they first started talking about Skylar. Oh, that's OK. I really want to take a quick second to talk about when they are laughing really hard. Just super quick. Okay. How much do you want to bet that Robin Williams for that scene? Because they were la- like that was genuine. You cannot act that kind of laughing, laughing. Oh, that that whole you're talking about the the story about his wife farting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so for for context, when um, uh, Will, this is when he the early in the session. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Sorry. This after, is like, yeah, yeah. After the first two meetings, the one where Robin Williams choked Will, and the one where they're talking in the lake, they have several meetings where they just do not talk at all, and it's uh, Robin Williams even admits like it, it's it's a staring contest, and I can't blink. Uh, Will finally breaks down and he talks about the girl he met and about going out on a date. And uh, he, he hasn't called her back yet. He's probably not going to. And this is where you first see Sean get to get into Will's life because he he kind of makes a comment like, you don't want to call her back because you're afraid she's not actually perfect or are you afraid she won't think you're perfect? And he tells a story about how his wife, his, his dead wife, used to fart in her sleep. Yeah. And it's so hilarious. It is really and, funny. And everyone's laughing. And yeah, that scene, uh, I did look it up. 100% in, uh, ad-lib. I knew and it. Okay. If you watch carefully, you can see the camera shot shake a little because the cameraman <laughs> was laughing. Because That's no awesome. one doesn't laugh when Robin Williams is hilarious. Okay. Because I, I remember watching that and I was I was the same way. I was belly laughing. I don't know if you were too. I was like, I was, it oh, was yeah. really funny. And I was like, and I remember thinking after it, he totally did that stand up. Like there's, he totally just did that. Um. Anyway, okay, that was a total side tangent. Sorry, back to where we were. Um, well, wait, hold on. But one last thing about that scene real quick, because it does flip from there, laughing really hard, and then Robin Williams gets very serious, and he's like, those imperfections, those are the things I remember. Yeah, you're not perfect, but the imperfections are what make you perfect for each other. And that's like, you get to see Sean actually start being a part of Will's life. Will actually yeah. listens to him, and he calls her back. He goes to her apartment, and he, he, they go on several more dates she asked him to move to california with her that entire conversation was kind of like he was making him realize hey 
there is more to life than success with your profession or yeah. with your smartness. So fast forward to this, it's kind of ends up being one of their last therapy sessions after the professor and the therapist have their big argument. Will comes in and, and it's, it's an awkward conversation and uh, they're talking about, uh, oh, uh, oh, Sean has Will's court file because Sean has to give his like final, final verdict or whatever, basically deciding if Will's going to go back to jail. And he, in reading the court file, he's also learned all about Will's abuse. And there are pictures of when Will had been, you know, the different times Will was taken to the hospital with broken bones and things because he was abused growing up. Uh, he had been yeah. removed from different foster homes for abuse. Um, and Sean admits that he was abused and that yeah. his dad, his dad used to beat him. Um, yeah. And, you know, Will's like, so what? I, I have attachment disorder, fear of abandonment. That's why I broke up with Skylar. And, and they're kind of quiet for a minute. And Sean just, he says, it's not your fault. Oh my and, gosh. And oh. Will, keep, Will, Will says, I know. And they just repeat this over and over again. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. And Will's getting more and more frustrated. And Sean just keeps saying it very calmly. It's not your fault. And at one point, Will just finally just yells, don't, 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 don't screw with me. And he, he shouts, not you Sean, too, don't Sean. screw with me. Like, and not you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what he says. Not you, Sean. And Sean just says, it's not your fault. And then Will starts crying. And, and he, I start crying. <laughs> he was crying too. Not afraid to admit it. I was crying too. That entire just, scene, even thinking about it, I kind of get emotional again. <laughs> it's... It, I will. That is the one. That is probably the most powerful cinematic moment I have seen yet, as far as emotions go. It really is. There's hands down, and it's it's. You, you kind of get the feeling that no one had told Will that, like he blamed himself, his entire life for what has happened to him. It's crazy. But and now, it's, like, it's oh. It's so good. It's so good. It's the turning point. It's, it's when he, and actually, it's interesting. Earlier in the movie, when we first meet Sean, he's teaching his class about the breakthrough. Like yeah, that's about, what he's, about getting someone's trust so that you can finally have that breakthrough. And that's literally what happens the entire movie, and that's the breakthrough right there. It is so powerful and such a great scene, and it's, it's kind of the it's it's it is it's the breakthrough moment of the film because it's it's when Will starts really thinking outside of Boston and outside of just yeah. this little shell he's built for himself. So in the next scene, he he his friends have bought him a car or slash made him a car for his twenty first birthday, and he says goodbye to the to the therapist. They're they're done with their sessions. Will such an been, emotional. It's such a like a great like awesome goodbye too it's like yeah he's been released from probation he does not see a therapist anymore the therapist has also been affected by his time with will he's gonna go travel again he's gonna he's got inspired he's, yeah he's got inspired to go start living his life again since his wife has passed because that's that's the point will made at one point it's like you your wife passed and then you just sit in this office all day yeah and now absolutely. the professor's gonna go do something and there's, there's, we missed, we missed, oh, sorry, I just realized we missed one of my favorite conversations earlier when yeah. Will and Ben Affleck's character, Chucky, when Will and Chucky are having their whole conversation about you don't owe it to us. Chucky says, every morning I wait, I, I drive to your house and I pick you up. And 
my the best part of my day is the 10 seconds it takes for me to walk from the car to your door because I always think maybe he won't be there. Maybe he'll have left and have gone to do something with his life. No note, no nothing. He just won't be there. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you get to see how great of a friend Chucky is. Mm-hmm. Chucky's like, yeah, you'll leave me, but you know what? It's better for you and I want you to do it. So at the end, Will has taken a job somewhere that he doesn't really want. He's had his good, big goodbye with the professor. And then Chucky goes to get Will one day. And yeah. Will's, Will's apartment is empty. It's, it's all this stuff is out of there. And he's left a note at the professor's door. Um, if my job calls, tell him, sorry, I got to go see about a girl. And it was like, yes. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, that guy stole my line. <laughs> and I forgot like, that. He, he stole yeah. my line. I was like, oh, that's so awesome. And it's just so good, though. Like, what an awesome wrap up in such an emotional roller coaster of like you just the character development is brilliant. It really is. And it it ends with him like he's going to go. He's going to go to San Francisco and try to get his girl back. The girl he left a while back and she said, I love you. And he's I don't love you. And he's going to go try to win her back. And it's and he's walking away from this job. He just got to do it. And but he's to- really going to go find himself, which is what he's always needed to do. And it's totally, and I think it's to some degree like what, um, what he's always wanted. Uh, oh yeah, you're totally right though. It's what he's always needed to do. And it's what this counselor has been trying to get him to see. Like, dude, you can do all this crazy, awesome stuff, but you need to, you need to go like find yourself. Like, is that, if that's you, that's great. But like, you need to figure that out. And that's kind of cool. So, what an awesome ending. Yeah. And I think it really does. Um, it kind of leaves a lot of things up in the air about what happens next. Like, what does Will do with his life at this point? Which is great. I think it's an, open, it's an awesome open ending because it's um, it's just really good. Yeah. So we're at the end of the film. We've kind of wrapped up. What? What like what kind of big thoughts do you have about this film? I don't. I I am. I can be a. I can be a crier movie just because I get connected to the story. But to go through a uh, one movie that makes you belly laugh, that makes you legitimately cry, that makes you legitimately happy, like romantically speaking, like with with his his girlfriend there a few times, and to to see such a brilliant character development. That's why I really think this is such a good movie is because it plays on all of your emotions and it moves me to to inspiration and make me think about myself in in a really healthy manner. Um, I've compared this on this podcast before, but it's like reading a really good novel. Um, yeah, that's just original, you know, because here's the thing. I don't think a lot of movies do this as well anymore is that that it takes <coughs> you on a journey on a unique journey. And, um, and I, it's not a feel good movie, but I still feel good after it because I felt like I was on the struggle with them. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's, you know, there's, there's what I love about this film. There's not really an ending, which 
it's very realistic in that way because you know in in real life yeah yeah, stories don't end in real life just because you got the girl back doesn't mean just because you moved on from something too yeah like (laughs) yeah like imagine picture the next scene if will if will gets to san francisco and he apologizes he begs forgiveness whatever and she lets he she you know they make up he moves in that's not the end of their story it's it's a new beginning to the next step of their story which is just how life is and that's one thing i love about this film is that there it's it is very realistic it's very lifelike and there's there's a lot of very real what life is and what it can be yeah i completely agree um it's so good so that's that's why i yeah, it's real. It's just a real movie. Dude, that's awesome. Um so seriously, I'm glad I'm really glad you picked this movie. <laughs> I'm glad too. I'd never seen it and I'm so happy I've seen it now. So I so I think it's Luke, time for our yeah. Using yeah, our, our using our patent pending pending rating system or trademark pending rating system. Uh, five-step scale where the highest step is uh, it's based on time <laughs> um, and mess today hold on it is a five-step scale based on how much time money and effort you'd be willing to put in to see a film the top step is go see it in theaters then there's buy it rent it borrow it and skip it where it's not even worth your time or your money luke what would you give this film all right go see it in theaters i man okay it is good I think this is a film that might be best watched alone because there's a not crying. There's a lot to think about. And with these kind of films, I like to be alone or with just a small group of people to think. So I think this is a buy it. Okay. Okay. On that point though, this is Matt Damon has said, this is like his favorite film he's ever made. And, uh, I agree. It's one of the best films you've ever made. Matt. It might be the best film you've ever made. Matt Damon. I would agree. It's, sa- it's sad to pink ver- peak very young, but still. And but I legitimately think, I I too think this is one of the best films ever made. Just kind of period. Um, it's so good, man. Such a good journey. Um, yeah. Okay. Mister Green, the time has come. Yes, Luke. What is the next flick we'll be watching? All right. I have one of two ways I want this to go. Okay. I- you have an option between door A and door oh, B. Oh, man. Is this the Matrix? I get to choose. <laughs> you get to choose. <laughs> and, and here's why you get to choose, because I legitimately have two movies that I think would be a lot of um, fun to try and approach. Um, but one is really, 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 really serious. Okay. The other is a comedy. And. Hmm. And I can't, and here's the thing, we will we would have a really good conversation about the serious one, and I'm actually not sure where we would go with the comedy one. Um, so I'm almost leaning more towards uh, towards the serious one. But what are, what are your thoughts between door A and door B? I man, that is, I've never been given a choice like this before. Um, <laughs> Let's do the serious one. Even okay. though this film was serious, let's do Keep a serious, serious one. Okay, man. Okay. Interstellar. Interstellar. <laughs> Another I've, film I've never seen. Dude, this is perfect then. I haven't seen it in years. I don't remember. 
I remember some of it, but I don't remember a lot of it. So it's going to be kind of a good exploration again. But we'll have a good conversation, that's for sure. This is a this is a Nolan film, right, Christopher Nolan? Yeah, man, it's really good. It's really good. All right, There's, we're gonna have a lot more of these deep conversations, guys. <laughs> so tune in next time for more <laughs> deep conversations. Cool, guys. So thanks so much for coming in and just listening, going on this journey of like emotions with us. We laughed, we cried, we did a lot in this episode. Um, yeah, we in this, did. In you... this movie, you need to see this movie. If you haven't, it's on Netflix. Go see it. Um, it's worth the two hours. I would, it is. Yeah. And when you watch it, if you have any thoughts, you can tweet us uh, at uh, PODNXT or at uh, I'm Luke, Luke J. Flowers or I'm Braden Green. Those are our Twitter handles. Or you can use Anchor's new voice messages uh, program, whatever it's called. You can send us a little snippet of you talking about the film. And we're going to... This is a cool thing we're going to do. We're going to pick one of those and throw it at the end of next week's episode. So... If you have something you want to say, you want to be on the episode, go ahead and send us your thoughts about Goodwill Hunting, and we're gonna you're, we're gonna let you tell everyone. <laughs> and uh, give us a follow on our on our, our Twitter or a like on Facebook. Yes, once again, our Twitter is at Pod Next P O D N X T, and our Facebook is at Next Pod.